Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. My name is Kimir Baker. I am an overcomer, writer, speaker, and God enthusiast. I am fueled by helping women achieve their emotional healing so that they can live the abundant life God has for them. In this podcast series, we provide faith-based inspiration to men from emotional hurt, along with tools and tips for emotional wellness. In your journey, as you apply these tools and tips, you will begin to live the transformed life that you always desired. In fact, you will possess a new you. Hello, family. I am glad that you returned. I so hope you enjoyed last week's episode where we discuss not being invisible. As I stated previously, when we embrace knowing that God sees us, it helps us to pursue being seen healthily within our families. Therefore, I am excited for us to delve into healthy family dynamics. To do this, we are pulling from our archives where we interviewed a professional family counselor. Take a listen. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss strained relationships within our families and angry feelings against family members. Our hope is to understand Satan's impact when his schemes attacks our family. And you know what, as always, I always enjoy having people on the show who can really open up our minds and our eyes to um, having a deeper understanding. And today we have Tanya who's with us and she is a family counselor. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Camille. I appreciate it. All right. So I know you a little bit. Can you give a little bit more background to our audience? Who are you and, and how long have you been a counselor therapist? Give us a little bit of your background. Okay. So I became a therapist in 2007 after seven years as a school counselor, all levels, K through 12, and decided I wanted to help families go deeper in the emotional realm. And I enjoy biblical counseling, became a disciple in 79. So this past Monday, I celebrated 40 years in Christ. Amazing. It was um, a great celebration. And I'm an old veteran. because it's on Veterans Day that I was baptized. <laughs> and the journey has been amazing. I'm so grateful for the way that my life has taken direction in a healthy way. And I think that's mainly what we're talking about today is emotional health. It does cross over with spiritual health and physical and social health as well. But yeah, I began my journey in, in doing biblical counseling in 2007. And I still work as at the school. I'm a career counselor. So at school, I work mainly with middle school and high schoolers. And we plan career events so that they can learn about what they want to be when they grow up. But for mental health, 
emotional health for the topic today. I'm really excited about sharing what I've shared with other families and the things that I've learned from the families that I've helped. Okay. And just out of curiosity, can you tell us uh, one rewarding experience that you've had while helping a family? What have you um, just walked away with like, this is why I'm a counselor and I enjoy doing this? Yeah, I I wish it was just one, but um, there are so many. I think the one that stands out the most is when my mom lost my stepdad. He actually committed suicide. And my sisters brought my mom to me and said, here, you're the mental health therapist. You help mother because, you know, she tried to stay on the farm in Kentucky for a year by herself. And she was traumatized. And I'm really glad they brought her to me to live with us. And we, I took care of her for two and a half years and helped her overcome her PTSD. I think that was the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And as you say that, I'm like, wow, that, that's quite amazing. Not only rewarding, but uh, just, I think, the, the sheer strength um, with dealing with a family member and being able to uh, encourage and support and strengthen them. Because as you know, our, our topic is about families, and, and sometimes it's a little bit more challenging to be that supporting, loving individual. And so that's some of the things that we're going to talk about today is within uh-huh. that uh, family dynamics. And I'm just curious, is there things that you've noticed or like common threads as you've worked with different families in the counseling area? Yes, definitely. A lot of anxiety. So I refer almost everyone that I talk with to anxieties.com. So that's IES. A-N-X-I-E-T-I-E-S dot com. This is a website by Reed Wilson, PhD in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He teaches the psych rotation to all the medical students at UNC Chapel Hill. And I highly recommend his website because there's so much self-help work on there. And, you know, the, the few sessions I have with people, yeah, that helps them. But the real work is when they do their homework, kind of like physical therapy. When you're in there, you're getting a lot done and you're learning things, but the real work is when you do the exercises. And we all hate to do those exercises. <laughs> but, but when you do um, your homework in, mental, in um, emotional health, like anxieties.com, you learn skills like breathing techniques and relaxation techniques. You learn skills to um, take yourself out of the situation and kind of imagine you're in your safe place, your happy place. Like mine is like walking on the beach and I try to incorporate all the senses like, you know, the sun on my face, how it feels on my skin, the sound of the ocean, the smell of the salt, the the feeling of the sand under my feet and the, the hearing the the waves come in, and when I when I take myself to a place like that, in the midst of a very stressful situation, like if I'm in traffic, <laughs> it really helps me calm down. And so I share that with other people so that they can learn to practice that as well. I definitely appreciate the tip. Uh-huh. I think you are kind of ahead of the interview, but for those who are listening. <laughs> 
<laughs> we you notice that we dive right in very quickly, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> so that that's great. And I'm pretty sure, if I remember, we'll come back to what you shared just to reiterate that type of tool to continue to get us on the or keep us on that right path, so that we're not driving around crazy and you know screaming at people, things of that nature. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so like the three common unhealthy traits in family dynamics. This was something that I researched and something that I've uh, learned in my own family dynamics. Um, Three things that uh, I would like us to talk about today. One is we do not talk about our feelings, problems, Mm -hmm. or embarrassing situations. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I know one of the things, as I say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, I'm a private person. Um, I was definitely mm. plagued with that understanding. The second item that I would like us to talk about as well is we blame others for our problems. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is associated kind of like with the victim understanding, mm-hmm. victim approach. And then the third is we minimize or deny our problems. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I've had experience with that as well uh, to the point where I'm not able to, you know, assess my own feelings. And and it, it took me a long time to learn what those feelings were because it was, I was conditioned to suppress it or not believe that it is there. You move on very quickly. And, mm-hmm. and boy, did that create a whole bunch of chaos. Mm. Yeah. So, so let's jump back to the first one in terms mm-hmm. of we do not talk about our feelings, problems, or embarrassing situations. Mm-hmm. And as a person who's been in the counseling field for such a long time, how does that affect our relationship or create other issues within our families? Well, I do believe the more open we are, the, be- the healthier our relationships will be. And interpersonal effectiveness is one of the dialectical behavior therapy skills. And it means that you speak up for what you need and want in a healthy way so that you protect the relationships. And I do teach those skills one-on-one and with families. And I think that just being open is good, but being open in a healthy way so that you are assertive, not aggressive, and not passive. So those are very important things to learn about as well. And a lot of counseling is education. So we're teaching about communication skills and just sharing your feelings. I think journaling is huge because you're getting your thoughts and feelings out on paper. And you can bring that in when you go to therapy and share what you were your innermost thoughts when you were journaling out your thoughts and feelings individually. And you don't have to share those things, but it can prompt your memory about something that you do want to bring up in therapy. But yeah, people that stuff their feelings and don't get them out, it it creates uh, depression and a lot of other, even anxiety, a lot of other emotional issues. Right. And um, as you were stating those things, what, something that uh, came to my mind was, and for those who are listening and, and been listening to our previous podcast, that was actually 
one of the elements that was brought up as well in terms of journaling and being okay. able to, uh, I think, clear your mind and, and start working through that process of articulating what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and another thing that you stated, what I think was key was in terms of communication. Mm-hmm. So after you've done that journaling work, and, and I know you talked about going to a therapist, how do you begin to begin communicating those ideas and those feelings to your family members or, or are you supposed to going to a therapist just enough at that point? No, I, I, I totally believe in a family systems approach. So I invite families to come into therapy and sometimes the relationships are so full of anger that if the client is open to it, I'll invite the person they're having the most conflict with to come in by themselves first so they can share what they're thinking and feeling. And it takes a lot of trust. So I have to have a lot of, a very good rapport with the primary client first to know that whatever they say or do is not going to change the relationship that we have, but it's going to give me more insight and it's going to help me to, um, share with them if it's okay with the, the client what I believe would be healthy for them to work on so that they can have better communication in their home. And for those individuals, because as you state that, one of the things that came to my mind was uh, I have family members who would never consider going to a therapist to do the work. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're in that type of situation, what is something that can be done on a smaller scale uh, to begin that type of work and healing? Well, of course, the one person coming in to work on the, the healing is definitely the most powerful thing that they can do to help change those relationships. It just helps them go further faster if the others are open to coming in. If not, then it can still be done. Like, Like, for example, I might put supports in place around the client by referring them to support groups. So it might be grief and loss, or it might be Al-Anon. If the person they're having high conflict with is, um, you know, drinking a lot, or if the, or Naranon, if their family member is, is into drugs and um, they're enabling them, this will help them stop enabling them and show tough love. Another support group I love to refer people to is codependency support group. And once they start working on those issues, it does start changing the family dynamics as well. And I appreciate all the things that you just shared, because one of the things that I noted was um, when we don't talk through those deeper issues, some of the common outcomes are that we become enablers, we become Uh codependent, um, uh-huh. We become action oriented, and uh, there's another phrase that was listed called the lost child syndrome. Uh, Are you familiar with that terminology? I was a middle child, so if that's what you mean, you know the. <laughs> sometimes you feel invisible mm. in your house, um, yeah. in your own home. Yep. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yes, definitely. I felt that way growing up in some ways. And as you're saying these things, 
something that, again, that's being reiterated in my mind is that it's imperative to begin to do that work to establish that safe place for real communication. Because when we don't, the extreme is that we do become or feel invisible or we do enable or we are codependent. And sometimes we don't do the work because we're thinking, oh my gosh, it's so much work. Which, I'll be honest, I fall in that trap a lot. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so much work. Not realizing <laughs> that it's more work to stay in that state than to right. think through, okay, how can I have a better outcome at the end? Right. And so I definitely appreciate the things that you shared in that regard. One of the other things that I you know, was looking at in terms of unhealthy traits is we blame others for our problems. Uh-huh. And what is something that, or why do we tend to do that? What has been like your common understanding for individuals who do that or have that tendency? I think mainly it's painful for people to look at themselves and it's easier to blame other people for our problems and it takes the heat off of ourselves and what we need to change. So I definitely see that a lot especially people with personality disorders, they're in big time denial. A lot of times that it's them that need to change and need to work on things. And they will come in and try to talk about how everyone else needs to change. But then you have to build that rapport. You have to really build that relationship and then slowly bring in things that they could work on. And sometimes you have to refer them to the support groups so that they actually see it themselves once they go because other people are sharing some of the same things that they're thinking and feeling. And then they, then it clicks. Then they realize, okay, so what I'm learning in therapy is being applied here in this support group. And I need to start looking at myself and what I need to change so that all the relationships are healthier. And as you stated that, one of the things that came to my mind, well, it's kind of extreme, but for that individual who is like, but I don't have any consequences when I blame everyone else. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So so how do you reach someone who doesn't see the, I think, the, the negative outcomes that it produces? Yeah, that's a hard one. Because I'm thinking like, you know, your family time, right? We're all around for Thanksgiving. We're all around for mm-hmm. Christmas. And and you, you have this one family member who, you know, is blaming everyone. doesn't want to take responsibility for the hurt they cause. And mm-hmm. so you, you create, there's this big rift, you know, with some part of the family members say on this side of the house, you know, they start going through this avoidance. What are some healthy things that can be done to begin that type of conversation where not everyone is running out the house mad at each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're, if they're open to this, the two scriptures I refer them to most of the time are overcome evil with good and love overcomes a multitude of sin. 
So if you love people unconditionally, you can go to them one-on-one -on -one and say, you know, you know, and use those I statements, not you, you, because that will cause them to become defensive. And again, it's communication skills. So you're just mm -hmm. sharing with them, you know, I feel blank when you blank. Can we please blank, you know? <laughs> and I actually have people practice putting those words in there. Like, I feel hurt when you blame me for blah, blah, blah. Can we please work on um, both seeing our part in the situation. So that's just one example. And that's a great example. <laughs> it's kind of interesting though, because as you state that, it also forces me as the individual to know my feelings and to understand uh -huh. um, how that person is affecting my own behavior. Right. And so then it actually becomes more of uh, self-reflection for me as well to mm -hmm. be able to identify it versus I'm just angry. Mm -hmm. And within that, is there like some little hints or steps an individual can do to kind of hone into what those feelings are so that they'll be able to process it a little bit better? Can you clarify your question a little bit? My thought process is, it's more along the lines of being in a relationship or, or, or a situation where mm -hmm. a person's behavior triggers something, but mm. you don't really have the words to understand, or not the words, but um, not necessarily in tune with your own feelings to know exactly, you know, what behavior hurt you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So how does a person begin to work through identifying this is the long-term hurt that's being caused and how do I start to process it in the way so I can finally go and have this conversation without blowing up and getting crazy? Right, right. So I ask questions. Sometimes it has to do with feeling like someone else is favored. And sometimes favoritism can cause those hurt, deep, deep feelings. And you might not even know that that's where it's coming from. Or some people in a family might have good intentions, but they might say things that hurt us. And they don't even mean to, but they hurt us. Um, it might be about our weight. It could be about what we're wearing. It could be any number of things, superficial things, but it can cut us pretty deep. So just a matter of uncovering what it actually is that's causing the hurt and then taking it apart and realizing what, why it was said, how it was said, maybe it was, and, and it always helps to do a role reversal and say, okay, mm -hmm. how would you feel, you know, if it was you in that place instead the other thing is be empathetic, put yourself in their shoes because they were probably treated that way themselves. So that kind of helps. You know, it could have been a long standing pattern in a family because sometimes we have unhealthy patterns that, you know, we have to stop the cycle. Because just because my grandmother, you know, made fun of my sister when she was young for being overweight, maybe she thought that she was teasing her in a, in a, in a funny way 
but it could have been just very, very deep. It could have hurt very much. Mm-hmm. Or even not taking a stand for someone like my sister was made fun of on the bus, you know, for being overweight and I didn't take a stand and I regretted that. And we talked about it as adults and that I believe helped heal our relationship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's all really, like I have a couple more questions and mm-hmm. I'm looking at the time and I, and I see that we've run out of time for this episode, but I would like for mm-hmm. you to come back because I have more questions and I definitely mm-hmm. would like to um, go a little bit more deeper in some of the things that you've shared. Uh, would you sure. be able to come back? Of course. All right. Happy to. All right. All right. And so for those who are listening with us, if you've been with us for a while, you, when you notice that I'm running out of time, I always want to come back and do a special episode, and, and we're going to do the same thing and uh, continue to listen to my interview with Tanya. Until then, <laughs> you guys enjoy the rest of your days.